0: and i would say like what i've noticed over you know my 44 years of life and particularly you know uh, you know since i really really came to know the lord which i'm, I'm still doing obviously but
1: right.
0: that god is is so amazing that it's not even just in the profane but it's it's literally everything mm-hmm. that god is willing to use
2: Gentlemen, welcome to the Crab and the Cross podcast. I'm your host, Mary Rose, and my guest today is Father Mark Ivany. We have a great conversation about what holiness looks like in a world of tremendous affluence and opportunity and distraction. And what's great about Father Ivany is he always brings it back to what really matters, what this is really all about. You know, it's easy to be legalistic and to follow a strict set of rules about what you can and can't wear, what you can and can't say, how much money you should have, what you should spend it on. And at the end of the day, all of these rules are meant to be a reflection of your relationship with God. Um, It's not the rules that make us holy. It's God that makes us holy. And the closer we get to God, the less attached we are to whether it's material things or our self-image or, you know, our sense of comfort. Um, and that's just a, an important reminder for all of us. I also want to invite you to check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com at the crab and the cross. I recently released my second YouTube video where I share Fulton Sheen's thoughts on the Second Vatican Council. I know that talking about Vatican II often opens up quite the landmine, but I wanted to share what this holy and brilliant and wise man thought about the Second Vatican Council, especially because he actually attended it. I think a lot of people try to make the council in their own image and likeness, or in the image and likeness of their enemies, and Fulton Sheen, I think, in typical, typical fashion, cuts through the division and um, gets to the truth of the matter, and so check out that video, and please subscribe to my YouTube channel if you have not already done so. Also, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast, either Apple, Spotify, or YouTube, or Google Podcasts. I think I have like 10 listeners on Google Podcasts, and I just want to give a shout out to them for going against the grain with the podcast apps. And now, here's my conversation with Father Mark Ivany. Father Mark Ivany is the Vocations Director and the director of seminarians for the Archdiocese of Washington. He's been a priest for 14 years. Prior to joining seminary, he worked in DC in politics and government. Father Ivany, thank you for joining me today.
0: Hey, great to be with you.
2: So you worked in, I mean, before you were the vocations director, you were just in seminary formation, right? Working over at the seminary?
0: Uh, yeah, I was the director of the spiritual, um, dir- the spiritual director of the, of the house of the seminary. Yeah. Uh, and did that for one year and then i got an additional job of being the vocations director okay (laughs) um and i did did both of them for three years and then i I just started doing working specifically with vocations but also you know doing a few things at the seminary serving as an adjunct formator and like the director of uh, pastoral formation yeah which neither which Took as much time as like the spiritual director, so it, it kind of freed me up to do more mm-hmm. vocations promotion and spending time, you know, with young men that are discerning and and, and encouraging our priests to, um, you know, kind of be vocation promoters in, yeah. the, in their own ministry. So,
2: so how do you get that job? I mean, how does a bishop or a cardinal <laughs> yeah. not, not as an insult, <laughs> right. but how they look at you and say like yeah. he's the person who needs to you know form all of our future priests?
0: Right. Well as far as the formation side, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's a team. Uh, there's a rector, a vice rector, a spiritual director, and oftentimes adjunct seminary, you know, faculty. Mm-hmm. So um, I think part of it is who's going to fit into the team, who's going to add this component to the team, who's going to add that. And ideally the Bishop is looking at his seminaries faculty um, from that broad kind of perspective filling in all the pieces so that there's not kind of one dominant um, you know kind of model of priesthood yeah. or something because we're all yeah. individuals uh, all you know within the within the the Catholic priesthood so I like to think that uh, I, <laughs> I, I bring I'm not sure what it is that exactly yeah. that I always bring but um, probably the humanity of it uh, <laughs> yeah, you've, you've met some of the other faculty there yeah they're, they're, yeah. they're quite impressive so Divinity. Uh, <laughs> right right mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So, do you live in the seminary with the guys? Yeah,
0: I still do. I, I actually live on the hall with the older guys. We okay. call it It's called Benedict Hall after after Pope Benedict. Okay. The sixteenth, and so yeah, we live on that hall, and it gives them an opportunity the older guys, most of whom have already finished college, okay. and they're they're at St. John Paul the Second Seminary just for two years, doing their pre-theology. Uh, and there's a few guys that have like just life experience. One was a police officer. One was in the air force for a number of years, and so they live there as well. But they'll be there for long because they have to finish kind of the four years of college. So right. So we live up there, and it has its own little common room and a little chapel. But at, but everything is still all at the same at, in the big house. Okay. You know, John, John Paul II, and um, but we just have a. There's no Nerf gun wars. There's there's less pranks. <laughs> That's um, on Father Griffin's side, yeah, exactly, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So uh, I I enjoy you know being there and interacting with those guys a lot, and I mean as I do the other guys, but it is yeah nice to have a uh, you know, different types of conversations that you would have with older guys as well.
2: Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously it's a, an incredibly important job, but it also kind of sounds like. I don't know, almost like a cush job for a priest because like you don't have to deal with like the parish finance council and like the like annoying people who call the church and are just right. like pestering. I don't know, like <laughs> Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> the,
0: the annoying people live with you. <laughs> 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 they they yeah, you wake up, there they're there. Right. And so we always say, you know, it's the unique ministry where you live with your parishioners and, yeah. and that's a blessing and and sometimes a challenge.
2: Right. So yeah, it's
0: it's kind of how you how you look at it.
2: Yeah, I almost wonder for, you know, for the for the guys that are living there, if it's like intimidating to feel like you're always on display yeah. and like every <laughs> little weakness you have, like uh oh, like father knows it, like you know, when I spit the toothpaste in the sink, <laughs> like you know, I don't rinse it, or <laughs> right,
0: um, yeah, I don't do the bathroom uh, bathroom checks. Okay. Uh, the vice director does that. Okay. So I'm not sure if they can identify who's using what, uh, you know, toothpaste. But to your point, yeah, I think sometimes you know you you do i mean like you would when you were growing up i mean that that that's the kind of ideal of a seminary is a is a is a home a family where guys feel comfortable to to make mistakes that they, they don't keep their guard up and that's mm-hmm. one of the things i think we do well i hope we do well is that there's a a spirit in the house where you can you can be a normal person and yeah make a mistake and you'll certainly get corrected but it It'll be done in a in a spirit of charity, in a spirit of, you know, yeah, not grave disappointment right. and two more strikes and you're out type right. of mentality. That's good. So, uh, Yeah, the guys are, sometimes they're too free to, to make mistakes. Really? I oh, think, really? They, we have plenty of pranks and, I mean, they get to be college kids. Okay. Um, yeah. And seminarians.
2: So. Yeah. Do you find that when you have to correct um, a seminarian that they tend to take it well or do you see them ever like, especially early on, like they kind of crumble like with that I, direct criticism?
0: It depends on on the guy, and it and I've noticed that um, after making mistakes myself, you know, is like, you, you know, you never correct when you're angry, mm. yeah, and you always have to correct with with love, like to you know to help the other person, and um, it's kind of an art. It, yeah. it's a, there's a lot of grace involved. I. I'm grateful that I had like really wonderful parents. I do have wonderful parents and my mom was really good at this. Um, you know, my, my dad was sometimes, uh, (laughs) he he got this later, you know, uh, he's, um, but everything my parents did, you know, was out of love and, and I'm kind of joking about my dad. if, If you knew him, he's just a big, big, strong military guy, but, um, the, the rarest of exceptions anytime that we were ever got spanked or disciplined. Mm-hmm. We knew because we had done something wrong and dad was doing that out of love. And, and that, yeah, that was a huge, huge grace.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I have to imagine that just given the statistics, like you would have a fair amount of guys come in seminary who come from maybe divorced homes or mm-hmm. just different family situations. Does that tend to be the case, or do you think they tend to more come from the more whole family?
0: Right. I mean, compared to the the average population, yeah, it's more more guys have a, you know, their biological mom and dad who have been married yeah. in the church, you know, uh, but there are certainly guys that have you know come from single homes, parents divorced or remarried or not, or um, different situations. A couple of guys that fathers kind of split, you know, um, so it's not quite as bad as. Uh, yeah the the standard population yeah but it's certainly not not perfect you know
2: right yeah do you find that things like that tend to come up while they're in seminary like they affect their ability to receive like certain teachings or certain experiences
0: Uh, yes and you never quite know how how it's going to and it's not the only factor obviously in how someone reacts to something but yeah, but you can you can definitely right. you know, see that, and and I think the faculty members we see it in each other. The more that mm-hmm. we that we kind of know each other, mm-hmm. you know how how we interact, and um, it's just true for everybody, you know. So right, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk to you a little bit about like how you form people to be holy in the 21st century, mm-hmm. um, because you know I. I I, I want to be careful not to act like we're completely different beings than, you know, humans were prior to like 100 years ago, but the world today is so dramatically different from the world, the way the world was for the most of human history, right? And when I read like certain teachings in scripture, for example, like let's say, um, you know, when Jesus talks about things like poverty and wealth, and if you have, you know, two cloaks, give somebody one cloak. And I'm like, well, I have 12 cloaks, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like, um, it it seems like, especially for living in America, you know, it's a very affluent society, even if you're relatively on the lower economic, economic end of the spectrum, like you probably have more possessions and food and, you know, things than most people had for most of human history. And so like, what do you think are some of the challenges of of trying to be saint like in the twenty first century? And like, I don't know. Do you think like the, the goalposts have shifted in a sense?
0: Yeah, it's a good a good question. I, I mean, my my first answer would be, I, mean, I don't really know because this is the <laughs> only time I've ever lived. Yeah, right. And I'm not. I, I do actually love history. I love all history. I love church history, but I'm I'm not like an expert on it. I mean, certainly, what you've said is is, is true, um, and, and but you know we're like, you know, kind of the top three percent. You know, I mean, there's still amazing vast poverty all over yeah. our world. I mean, uh, you know, having been to India to work with the missionaries of charity once when I was in seminary, oh, really? and, you know, having been to Haiti wow. once and other places, you're like wow, like maybe this maybe this is not that much different. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just, I'm like super privileged mm-hmm. to live in the United States, to have two parents that love me, to have grown in the faith. And um, as I said, my dad was in the army and my mom um, only worked when like all four of us were in Catholic schools at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just like really blessed, you know, in, in materially and, and otherwise, so I think a lot of it is, is is recognizing that is that is that we we're, we're pretty privileged.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, privilege is definitely a, a hot topic. I think in the culture right now, and there's a certain sense in which, like I, I mean, I have a similar upbringing to you. Like great loving family, Catholic family, you know, still intact. Um, you know, all lived in America, obviously. Like, you know, not again, not like vast wealth, but. Relative to people in, you know, Calcutta, like, my gosh, I'm a queen. Um, <laughs> and, like, I struggle almost with feeling guilty for all that I have. In a sense where I'm like, well, you know, should I have less things? But then if I had less things, would that really make, you know, a vast difference in, in the way that I live my life? And, like, it wouldn't really be helping alleviate poverty in this country if I had, like, you know, six pairs of shoes instead of ten pairs of <laughs> right. shoes. Whatever, you know, yeah, you know, one of
0: the things that we talk to the guys about in our um, formation talks and different things is simplicity of life. We're going to make a promise. Uh, I, I did already. The guys will, who get ordained will be make promises of um, um, chastity, obedience, and uh, simplicity of life. Um, uh, did I do that right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> chastity, po- chastity, obedience, poverty. And, uh, well, poverty. Oh, you don't is, say poverty. Is, right is the is the vow that like Father one Andy and really uh-huh. just make mm-hmm. um, and ours is a. Uh, a, a prayer. We promise to pray the uh, the office the, um, to obedience to the bishop and uh, and to chase celibacy, mm-hmm. and then and then there's a this, this promise of a, a simplicity of life. Okay, and and I've, you know you know a lot of priests and mm-hmm. it's lived. <laughs> very, yeah, different, oh, yeah. very differently <laughs> and some live it you know really beautifully uh, the the point is is diocesan priests you don't have a religious order that's gonna you know take care of you when you're when you're older and so part of that is like you have to be reasonable in being a good steward of the resources that are entrusted to you so that you're not a financial burden to the archdiocese <laughs> or to the to the yeah. people of, of, of God and uh, so we tend to, well, I, I, when I was a newly ordained priest, um, I had this similar conversation with one of the priests who was in the rectory. Um, He's a wonderful priest, and and I asked him his kind of take on this. Yeah, he goes money is simply the thing that I give to people so they leave me alone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and what he was
0: saying is like he, he had he doesn't care about money, and then it, it, it's. Money is is what he uses so that he can take care of all the things he needs to take care of so he can be focused on Mm. service, on on, on God, on things that he feels called to. And so, you know, if having six pairs of shoes is going to, you know, um, aid you in, you know, in what you need to do, um, then that's, you know, the the, the number, you know, or if it's 10 or like, you know, whatever. Um, So it's this idea of of, of, it's more the the real question is is have you given yourself completely to christ Mm. right and then when you give yourself completely to christ by god's grace like he becomes the center and everything including money is all just directed towards that yeah and there's a real freedom that comes when by god's grace we respond to to that grace of totality and it's it's it kind of becomes fun. And
2: yeah. Well, it's kind of weird because I think if you're financially well off, one of the privileges of that is that you don't have to worry about money. It just doesn't really cross your mind. Like, whenever you're making purchases, you're like, well, can I afford this? Is it in the budget? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, when it's like not only if you're poor, like, are you poor, but then you have to constantly have money on your mind, you know? And it's, it's almost like there's a, you know, it's funny because Jesus says, like, it's very hard for a rich man to enter heaven, and so your perception of a rich person is that money is like all they care about, but I don't know, in a strange sense, like I know this for myself, like the less money I have, the more I think about money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I, I think again, like the, the, the underlying question is what, it, what, what do you, what do you think about and, and why, mm-hmm. you know, do you, for those that don't have money, are you thinking about money? Cause you don't think God's going to provide, mm. um, if you do have a lot of money, and you think about money a lot. Is it because you um, should be doing something else with it, and your yeah. conscience is kind of, you know? Yeah. But when, when again, when when Christ is is more and more at the center, um, those things like, you know, it sounds kind of cliche, but those things kind of fall into place, right? And and some people it's a it's a real radical, like Saint Francis, literally giving everything away. Yeah. Um, other. I mean, I know a few, maybe you do too, people who are extremely wealthy, mm-hmm. extremely devout Catholics, are very generous, mm-hmm. and um, their focus is on Christ, and And as a result, a lot of people have been blessed by their material um, yeah. wealth.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. When when guys come into seminary, do you put any limitations on how much they can bring or what types of things they can right. bring? <laughs>
0: it's not normally a problem because few there's a few guys that either come from pretty wealthy families or you know we had one guy who was a uh, he's still in the seminary he's a uh, he was a doctor oh wow you know, and other guys who were lawyers or di- different types of things and they yeah they either had a lot of money or had the potential to make a lot of money and yeah um, so f- for those those guys as the vocation director I'm kind of talking with them through Throughout the process, so they, they know what to expect, so they don't show up with, you know, um, a U-Haul full of right. the, the size of their rooms and the size of their closet. Yeah, uh, yeah, is extremely helpful <laughs> in in this situation. So there's, it, it's not, it's never at least for us, it's never been a a, a, a huge issue.
2: Yeah, yeah, that makes and, sense. And
0: usually, when they hear the formation talk on simplicity of life, most guys receive it as with, with great a great freedom. Yeah. And it's kind of a welcomed thing.
2: Yeah. I remember I went to, um, Guadalupe a couple of years back, um, and we stayed with some of the Concepcionista nuns. But yes. one of the things that the, the people who were leading the pilgrimage said is like, try not to wear like your, your jewelry and your kind of, you know, flashier clothes or whatever, because, you know, these women live very obviously extreme poverty and it just can kind of almost be a temptation to like, you know, not, and not that you'd be going on this pilgrimage to show off your wealth, but just inadvertently you're like, oh, I have this nice bracelet or this, like, you know, whatever, nice outfit, <laughs> yeah. you know.
0: And, and um, it's kind of a, a neat reminder to think that, wow, like, we're all in this together. And mm. and I want to be mindful of, in, in the same way that someone should be modest in the way they mm. dress when they're in a convent or in a yeah, seminary. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we have to you kind of be mindful of, of other people. Yeah. And we want to encourage them in their vocations and not, uh, and not be a, be a, a stumbling block in any For way. For sure.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, actually the modesty thing is something else that I'm curious about from the perspective, like our modern age, because, you know, even if you dress relatively modest for modern standards, like you're still probably showing way more skin than <laughs> people were in the seventeen hundreds. You know, I mean, if you wear like a modest swimsuit, for example, it's like I mean, right. you're a woman of the night. You know, right, in right. the Middle yeah. Ages.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I, I um, I don't want to be like always contrarian, but yeah, you know, like I know during the time of Sennin was m- m- kind of a. A good friend of uh, I like to consider myself to be or him a friend of me anyways and you know when he um after his a cannonball you know took mm-hmm. out his his right leg and as he was recovering he was so vain that you know that he asked him to re-break his <laughs> leg so there wasn't that protrusion because the style at the time was guys would wear tights wow <laughs> you know and that's <laughs> kind, of, kind of unfortunate but i always joke with our seminarians when i I give the, our talks on discernment of spirits, yeah. and um, I always joke that I, I, some of the guys are, I've seen on CUAs campus, like <laughs> their pants are so they might as well be tight, right? Right. And <laughs> and even some of the, the, the dresses you see from you know I don't know just back in the day, they, I don't know. There seem to to there's always I think there's just always been that type of yeah. temptation no, in, in one way or another. Now maybe in our time it's it's more direct and like more, it's just simply more flesh but sh- you know showing you know but I, I would think that at the time i mean whatever is a li- there's always a way to be kind of provocative or risque mm-hmm. or yeah. um you know kind of push the the limits right. of whatever whatever is you know kind of the norm at the time and so I'm sure people, men and women, were always doing that, and and they certainly still do it today. Right. And so the the problem, in one sense, is the same. It just it's different. And I mean, I would agree with you in that it's certainly more now. I mean, like you, yes. So, <laughs> so um, yeah. Th- there's yeah interior, you know, kind of ways and exterior ways. I think of uh, to help equip young men, and as there would be for young women, uh, to to live uh, healthily in, uh, yeah. in today's culture with modesty?
2: Sure, yeah. I, I think it's just that, you know, we're always trying to push back against, like, relativism, for example. Um, and yet, at the same time, it seems like the standard for something like modesty might be more so, well, don't be provocative according to your culture's standards versus, like, a very objective, like, this is the line, you know. It's like, okay, if I go to Saudi Arabia and, you know, my ankles are showing, it's like, <laughs> you know, that's horrible, but if I'm weird... Right. Nobody would even notice, you know.
1: <laughs> right. And it's
2: like, is is there an objective standard, or is it more just actually relative to the culture that you live in and the way people are going to perceive you? You know.
0: Sure. And I, I, mean, I think we get to some extent we get to create our own cultures in mm. in in a, a micro level. and that, in in our house growing up, there was kind of a culture of, of of how people dress and what my parents allowed at the schools I went to. there, you know. There was a, a, a culture there. Mm-hmm. You know, when I went to Catholic school, you know, there was whatever, a tie and things. Right. And, you know, a couple of times, my dad, as I said, was in the Army. We moved around a lot. Public school, was, it was different. And um, in church, you know, in, in some churches in Rome and in different places, you know, they have little signs that you, you, mm-hmm. you can't have. Yeah. Like, And, I, I mean, I, I think that's great. And, and, we again, we're kind of creating – hey. We're creating a, a little bit of a culture there. Yeah. And and yet, yes, we're living in a, a bigger culture that is certainly more, um, I guess they use the term open. I'm not sure that's the best term, but um, liberal or free mm-hmm. uh, with, with, with their dress, although I don't think free is the right word either. <laughs> um, sure. I think a lot of the people that do that are actually very not free. Um, right. They're very captive to... Um, the approval of others you know being viewed in a certain way by others and and it's actually very you know not to go down that whole road but it's kind of sad you know it's very sad yeah uh,
2: no i mean especially for women you hear about some of the extreme modifications that they can go through the just the extreme daily routines that they can go through where it's like i mean i don't know if you probably don't see this too much since you're in the seminary but like right now it's common for women to get eyelash extensions. <laughs> so I mean, forget forget just like uh, something surgical, but like they're they're getting like fake eyelashes glued onto their eyes, so they stay there for for months and months. And it's That's like amazing, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I, I it's weird because I I, 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 I we actually lived in, in the Middle East for a while, and really, I, yeah, and
2: where what country
0: in Saudi Arabia? Oh, and, really? Yeah, and Kuwait, and you you mentioned wow. it earlier. And my little sister, she got her master's degree from the American University of Beirut in Lebanon. And I think Lebanon, at least for a while per cap, had like the highest percentage of people who were getting those jobs.
1: Really, And, and
0: even in other cultures where yeah. women are forced to wear abayas and things mm-hmm. that cover their, there's still like plastic surgeries like wow. things. So there's like these kind of two radical extremes where on one side, we're like, you know, changing our bodies and all right. these types of things. And the other side, you know, there's this extreme guilt for you know, going against this other notion that says, you know, how I am is, is totally perfect. And I, I mean, yeah. whatever it is, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. If, if I adapt anything about me to attract somebody or to feel good about myself or whatever, then there's something wrong. And mm-hmm. that's not true either. Right. You know, I mean...
2: So. Yeah. No, I, I see that too. You see the people who are kind of reactionary who it's like, well, I'm not even going to shower and you should accept me because it's not the inside that counts. And it's like, well, we are bodies and souls. And right. You know,
0: I mean, it's, it's I mean, it's right. Yeah. It, it, exactly.
2: But I mean, even like you think about, okay, like nature, you know, if you go out into the woods, you know, there's a lot of beautiful things out there, but it can be kind of a mess. And so if you want to build a house, you're gonna, you know, clear a space and you're going to plant some trees and you're going to pull the weeds and you know i mean i don't know maybe to a certain extent that's just the same way you cultivate your your own bodies like you you know fix a couple things you're not going to completely change it. you're not going to take a flower and like dye the petals another color <laughs> yeah, right although i don't know i mean I think they, <laughs> yeah they actually do do that i
0: think they put oh, really? stuff in the water <laughs> and they make, you know it, it's true i, I was driving i was with my my um driving with my my hungarian grandmother through in, she lives in cleveland and i was driving we're going through the the valley she, and she looks around and it was fall mm-hmm. and there's all obviously all these leaves all over the forest you can see into the forest and she goes who's gonna pick up all these leaves
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like
0: oh, "You know not my mom." right uh, there there's the forest like no one's gonna pick up the leaves and just this notion that like there is because in her backyard obviously she pays someone to pick up the leaves and it's, okay. it's designed and it's and it's it's, a, it's beautiful and We're we're meant to cultivate the earth and Mm -hmm. there's something good that we have control. We're rational beings. Right. We can we can objectively say it's it's better to comb your hair, it's better to shower, it's better to you know, um, looking at the whole person after you know, all the data is in all the you know, the centuries of, of being human, we can say people that do certain types of things, combing your hair, getting up on time. You know certain ways to deal with interpersonal relationships, and uh, you know prayer. People who do these things are are happier. Their lives are f- are are full, more, more full. Mm-hmm. And that's some, one of the things I think the church takes a lot of heat for. Is that we're not afraid to say there's actually an objective, objectively better way to live your life. Mm-hmm. And while as we would still say that, you know, as Pope Benedict said when someone asked him how many ways many paths are there to heaven. He says as many as there are people. Mm. There's certainly something very true with that with, with about that, but it's it's within the parameters, the structure, um, that that God has given to us and the church reminds us of.
2: Yeah. No, it's so true. I mean, I think of like when St. Paul says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and it's like, or you have this kind of parameter of like there's certain, you know, moral boundaries that you cannot cross. And and a lot of people get very hung up on that. But once you kind of accept that and live within that, I mean there's, it's it's limitless possibilities in terms of what your career could look like, what your personality could be like. and
0: What your relationship with God can yeah, look like. I yeah. mean, what, what gives you purpose and meaning. I mean, that's why one of the things I've been thinking about your your show, um, like I, I really love the, the – the, the, first I was like, they grabbing <laughs> the cross. And I heard you kind of explain the whole St. Francis thing, and I was like, oh, all right, I get it. Yeah. yeah, And I've I actually been like thinking about it the last couple of days, and I actually would – and, and maybe you've already thought of this. In fact, you probably have. Um, but just from your initial explanation, and I don't know if any listeners, I'm sure they, they, they've heard the in, your introduction of mm-hmm. St. Francis, you know, is in a storm and he throws the cross in, right? And then he ends up on the shore and there's this crab,
1: yeah. shore,
0: this cross, right, as you uh, explained. And in this, I guess this whole show, right, is about like kind of the the – coming together of the sacred and the profane or however you want to. And I would say like what I've noticed over, you know, my 44 years of life and particularly, you know, uh, you know, since I really, really came to know the Lord, which I'm I'm still doing, obviously, but that God is, is so amazing that it's not even just in the profane, but it's, it's literally everything Mm -hmm. that God is willing to use. Mm -hmm. I just had this conversation uh, with one of our seminarians and I asked what he was going to do with, with his Saturday afternoon. He goes, oh, I got to write this paper on, on Hobbes, you know, the philosopher mm. the, <laughs> who was certainly no friend of the Catholic church and his philosophies were used in, in persecutions and different things. And and I was like, Oh, that sounds He's like, yeah, well, you know, and he, uh, we, we just had this conversation and I remember being just like, you know, him when I was in the seminary and, and, and it, we had this conversation and where it ended up was, First we were, you know, we're kind of like complaining about Hobbes, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. and how wrong he was, and then by the end of our conversation, which wasn't very long, we we looked back and and said, isn't it amazing that all over the world, Catholic seminarians now for for a number of years study Hobbes? Hmm. You know, it's like it's like a prerequisite, yeah. and obviously we're not. Here. Obviously, they're not studying Hobbes to like imitate think like yeah, Hobbes yes. or imitate him, <laughs> but 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 it remind me of that the the, the scripture, um, uh, God will make his enemies his footstools and I I can't remember what Psalm it is, you know, mm. but just this notion that the the enemies of God um can will eventually be used to give God glory. Mm. And it's not like the enemies of the of the God will be thrown out and used for nothing, but no, right. like He's actually going to use them as their like we're, He's going to put it to use.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And and so it's not just the profane, but I mean it's it sounds it sounds heretical without without thinking about it, but even the things that are that 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 um, attempt to do us evil and harm, God is so amazing that if if a Christian Allows God to work through him or her, like it can be turned around totally. And so, yeah, Hobbes and his all of his mistakes <laughs> right. can, can be used to glorify God. And now seminarians are have a greater understanding of. And it's not like Hobbes got everything wrong. I mean, some of his thoughts and things were, or sure. the ways that he he, he, he he thought, you know, can can be imitated. But um, and, and so I mean, what does Augustine say that all that God has to do to make evil, uh, all that God has to do. To make good come from evil is to touch it, hmm. and I've seen that in my own life. Like, hmm. it's hard to let God touch your evil, hmm. but when you do, it's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah. Oh no, I know. One of the uh, most recent interviews I did that it's not out yet, but I I talked to a priest who, he's in his fifties. He's only been a priest for a year. Hmm. He is a was spent twenty years as an alcoholic and then got sober, went into recovery, went into addictions counseling now as a priest, wow. you know, and it's like, it's, it's beautiful that he's had that path and you know, like as, as much as like, I think we want things to be like, all right, you know, you graduate high school then you go on to your, whatever, if you're going to priest, you go to seminary and then you become a priest and you're a priest for 75 years. And like, we like those very neat trajectories, but like when you read the gospels, like Jesus doesn't always take the direct path from like point A to point B, he's like, we're going to stop over here in the Decapolis and I'm going <laughs> to exercise this one guy, even though right. it's totally out of the way. And it's like, I, I don't know. Sometimes I think that we impose certain... Be, because we're so used to operating within like a moral framework that has very strict parameters, we sort of impose other parameters, I think, on God where he only operates in these like maybe three ways or something.
0: Exactly. I I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and that's why one of the things I, I love... Uh, even today's gospel um the sto- uh, the parable or the uh, the story of the unjust judge mm. where Jesus says god is like an unjust judge yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He like shakes us out of that, of yeah. that mentality and, and god yeah. and and he uses this this story of of yeah it's a it's a story of perseverance and in prayer but it, it just it goes to show that um yeah, God, God is constantly working in, in in situations, and what we perceive to be problems and obstacles are oftentimes opportunities. Mm-hmm. There are, are opportunities, mm-hmm. yeah. and and one of the things i just found interesting in the last in the last five years, I've I've, I've read some this one book in particular called uh, "The Mindful Catholic." Um, oh yeah, yeah, uh, Doctor Greg Batara. Right, yeah, yeah. former. Franciscan Fire, yeah. the Fire, or the Newell. Went to the uh, Divine Mercy University across mm-hmm. the river in here in Virginia. And then there's this this podcast uh, called The Golden Hour. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of I don't of think that, I've heard of it. A, uh, a doctor, a medical doctor. I think he teaches at Harvard Medical School. And I think he's a numerarian opus day. Hmm. And the, the, the podcast is all about optimal work.
2: Okay. You know, and, and, yeah. and, and
0: listening to the, and so, Yeah, this one thing, you know, Catholic mindfulness and this thing, you know, optimal work, how can you be productive? And and what I've seen is that there's all these overlying concepts of, and and one thing that they shared is that crosses, Mm -hmm. you know, are the things that we think are the problems and are bad, the people that we think, you know, that that they're not always what they seem, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and even when there is real evil or injustice. In, in her intermixed, that God is still doing something. Yeah. It, in the parable of the unjust just judge, so like this woman, once the judge surrender a just decision, like she's legitimately being, you know, yeah, uh, taken or, advantage of yeah. oppressed, mm-hmm. and it says she was asking him for a long time, <laughs> and the the point is is that 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 God was doing something in her. I mean, I'm not saying it's right, you know. I'm not saying that. that but in in because of her situation there's she changes it's like the sixth rule of ignatian's first 14 rules of discernment in a time of desolation it is um, at, it, while it is not advantageous to change you know, someone's plans as their spiritual orarium or deal it is advantageous to change yourself mm-hmm. to grow in perseverance to grow in trust of god to and and so what you see in this this parable is this this woman's changing radically. She's growing in her relationship with God, mm-hmm. and um, the persistence that Jesus upholds in this story is is the persistence of a relationship with with, with, with God, and that, and that's what changes everything. And so, Catholic mindfulness and these um, optimal work type of things that are just really great. I mean, I I, yeah. I really enjoy them. They're they're. 're all they're all about relationship with God mm-hmm. and 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 being changed and not seeing things as the enemy wants us to see everything or and certainly every every person
2: you know? yeah yeah no I mean you we were talking earlier about you know the negative side of being provocative but like Christ is provocative not just in the gospels but in God in our daily life is is often provocative I think he behaves provocatively he tries to provoke you know, things out of us. And one of the things is, is faith. Like when we ask for something and we don't receive it, I think there it, it can often seem like, well, God doesn't care about my prayers. You know, he answers everybody but me. These are all thoughts I've had before, you know. Right, right. <laughs> um, But like often he's trying to provoke like a deeper faith from us. And, and I think really also to lead us to like, to like expand our vision of what we're asking for. Like, you know, that you're asking for something that's too small mm-hmm. or too limited and i want to like expand your vision which can be painful because then you have to like open your eyes and
0: <laughs> yeah it, it open and you know, open your heart i mean augustine says that one of the reasons why god doesn't answer our prayers right away is so that in the in the interim our hearts expand and so we mm-hmm. can receive more mm-hmm. and we see i think we see that with the with the, the gospel we we're just talking about with the woman and and i've seen it in, in my own life uh, i'm sure you know, most of our listeners have, if, if, if we're honest with ourselves, if we haven't given up, right? Um, that God, um, and, and again, the greatest re- reward is not like always, as, as you're alluding to, the answer or the thing that we want, but it's Christ himself. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, oftentimes we're trying to, we, we, we want to find, you know, the, the, the trick, or the, yeah. the 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 way to live our life that you know we don't we don't have these problems or we don't do these things, but th- that's just our humanity trying to be independent of God. I mean, the, the The whole point there are challenges that God doesn't answer, is so that we actually grow in more dependence on, upon Him,
1: sure. greater
0: trust of Him, and abandon ourselves to Him more radically. and And that's like the freedom that allows us to see a cross as a, as a blessing or to, to grow in these different ways. And I don't know if I'm making any sense. Yeah. <laughs> these are things that I, yeah. no, I mean, uh, it's, it's really true.
2: And it's, it's, I mean, it's really the paradox of the cross because the thing that we least desire and that is least appealing to us is like also the place where we meet God and the place where we experience our victory and, and, and all these things. And it's, I mean that's that's kind of the day to day life is like to, I don't I don't know if, if the goal is to really to get to the place where the cross doesn't seem, like, no longer seems detestful, or if it's actually the point where, even if it looks detestful, like, that doesn't stop you, you right. know, like I don't know if the point is like to to like you know say you get diagnosed with a terminal illness to be like, great, yeah right, <laughs> that's what I wanted right, <laughs> th-
0: th- th- that's a that's a great question and. You know, I, I think um, I think some of the saints did do that kind of stuff. They, they had, did, they I know. That, you know, they had that kind of faith. <laughs> I know. I think I remember, yeah. <laughs> like, Ther- like
2: Therese, like when she's like was bleeding, she's like, "Oh, good, like I'm gonna die right. soon." Right.
0: <laughs> and and um, I think we it, th- th- there's a grace there's a grace that allows somebody to mm. not just to say something like that, but but to be in a place with the relationship with god where where that's that's what you say yeah where they mean it you believe yeah that's what you believe yeah and that's and that's and that's that's true for you and um saint paul i mean he prays that this thorn in his side be removed and you know i mean if you have cancer like by all means like we should pray that it's that that we're healed and um and yet there's these these certain situations and certain people at certain stages the relationship with God where they can and we we should all hopefully be able to see God at work in all situations but sometimes it's
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, it's recognize recognizing something more yeah a, a cross that's really um, difficult to see or right to, 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 to accept
2: yeah yeah I want to ask you also about like so of course there's the crosses that we experience that don't ask for, but then there's this act of, like, taking on, like, voluntarily some kind of cross, some kind of penance, and, you know, it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, like, I feel like my life is so luxurious compared to most of the world's populations, and um, at the same time, like, you know, people who lived in much more austere circumstances were doing really intense penances, really intense fasts, you know, bodily mortification, things that just don't have any appeal whatsoever. Um, and you know, I feel like for me, like a, like a, like a lukewarm shower, like that would be like, (laughs) you know, something penitential (laughs) where most people is like, do you even have a shower would be amazing, you know? So like, how do you guide people to make intentionally, I guess, sacrificial choices in a very luxurious world?
0: Yeah. Well, first maybe to say a word about the relationship of the saints and all this, you mentioned, you know, comparing yourself to saints and things Mm -hmm. something really good about that. There's also something really dangerous. And it's like, we remember like the saints are our friends and they, they love us and they want us to be happy and do well and become saints. And so they don't want their examples to shame us or to guilt us or to make us feel bad about ourselves. And they don't want us to, do things that they did simply because they did them. They did those things because they were um, uh, motivated by God and, and drawn drawn to God, and, and those were things that helped them get closer to God. Um, and at the same time, we also don't want to not acknowledge some of the things that saints did that were on the path of holiness. So, uh, all that's to say is, um, yeah, we want to keep this keep the f- saints our friends mm-hmm. and not use them to be, and not let them be um, yeah, guilt trips. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I guess getting back to the more direct question though, of of how do we use, you know, mortifications, penances. And um, I'm thinking of St. Saint, Saint Thomas More, who, you know, kind of like us to some degree lived a, I mean, he was pretty well off. He was, you know, the Chancellor of, of England and all these things, and so, like, he wore a hair shirt. I mean, he had to go to like, he couldn't do like Amazing Great Fast because he had to go to these parties oh, and do things and stuff. Yeah. So, but he always wore, or I don't know, if always, but he oftentimes, or maybe always, wore a hair shirt underneath his his like fancy kind yeah. of <laughs> things that he that he had to wear. You know, um, the, the the Jesuit, um, I'm forgetting his name, but he ended up in in China. Ricci.
2: oh Matteo Ricci, Matteo yeah. thank
0: you. You know he was in the court and he had to wear like all these fancy things yeah, yeah. and eat all this stuff and and then there's Saint Francis Xavier, his you know brother Jesuit who is like in rags, <laughs> starving, yeah, you know, and then still doing pen. you know, and, and and so it it does depend on your state in life. It depends on your, I mean. Prayer and penance is for everybody. I mean, mortifications right. is for everybody. It's just how that's done, and is, is going to vary um, uh, a great deal. When the early, uh, the early Jesuits came to this continent and and in, um, in Canada and North America, Canada and the upstate New York, they get there and they're like, about to start teaching the Native Americans about prayer and fasting. They're like. <laughs> Huh. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're they're already doing more than what we what we do as penance, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um that being said, we don't want to use that as an excuse. Sure. The, the the whole point is that there is no um uh d- how to word this, but there's, there's mm-hmm. no there's no growth in holiness without the cross. Mm-hmm. I mean and uh and so the again, looking at the cross, as Jesus did, as like it's it's bad. It's, I mean, it's it's difficult, it's challenging, but it's it's actually ultimately a good thing. Right. And and so we are humans. Um, we suffer from concupiscence, from original sin, and so there are our, our our desires and things that we're gonna gonna have, we're gonna be drawn to the path of least resistance, and so we. The church gives us these these gifts of penance and mortifications to, to to stay focused on Christ.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's interesting because there are certain um, like things sacrifices that people are more than willing to make for I think to look good. You know, whether it's to be in shape or to look attractive. I mean, you mentioned women getting a nose job. Like, I heard the recovery from that is brutal. Really, you know, yeah. um, or. You know, even just, um, there's like a popular thing in health where people will, uh, they'll voluntarily take an ice bath, like, you know, to like fight inflammation, all those things. It's like, you don't want to take a cold shower, but you'll take an ice <laughs> bath, you know? Right. Um, or, you know, if I do, like, I'm not going to put a rock in my shoe, but I'll wear high heels. Yeah. <laughs> and That's <laughs> also painful. And so there like, there's certain things that we're willing to accept pain for, yeah. but it seems like when it comes to the Christian life, like if it's going to cause pain, we're like, nah.
0: Right. And, and um, St. Paul, right? He says that athletes deny themselves all kinds of things to mm-hmm. win a, a crown of, of leaves that, that withers. Yeah. And, 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 and so, um, you know, when we give our, our ourselves to Christ, really there's nothing that, that that's out of bounds. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, there's no part of, of life that we're unwilling to use to become like Christ. And some of us, particularly those of us that you know have a, could have a very easy life that we're gonna need to in, in, employ these types of things mm-hmm. um, and uh, so maybe it's you know not using salt and pepper you know, <laughs> not not using condiments not yeah, yeah, yeah. not using um, you know not eating dessert or uh, things that will have no benefit uh, you know, I guess physically or aesthetically right, right. That, uh, that, that, that we can do that no one will know about. I mean, you know, you may want to run something by your confessor or if you have a spiritual directory, but, I mean, you should if you have those things and you're thinking about, you know, but um, but we all can do, you know, little things, and sometimes, you know, when we're sure that it's from the Lord or we're pretty sure, we can even try some, you know, some yeah. bigger things. Yeah.
2: I went to... um lords this past summer and we got to tour the like the house of saint bernadette i don't know have you ever been there before to lords yeah yeah
0: yeah i'm trying to think if i've ever been to her house but i've certainly been at lords
2: yeah but they i mean they talked about her her life just
0: oh yes i yeah okay yep, maybe yeah. That, yeah sorry i <laughs> mean she lived at like the right. mill yes. and yeah, yeah.
2: you know extreme poverty at one point her family was so poor they had to move to a jail the old jail at, um and it just was almost shocking to me that, like, when Mary appeared to her, like, one of her main messages was penance. And I'm just thinking, this little girl has the most penitential life of anybody. And it, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that. It would make more sense to me if Mary appeared to, like, a wealthy person and said, you need to do penance.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, I, I, I think we've got to be careful about comparing ourselves. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. and, and I don't think St. Bernadette would have thought herself to be, you know, extreme, I, you know, she would be like wow i have so much i have a roof and Mm. we have this old cell and (laughs) you know i just my 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 own father came to this this country when he was very young from from hungary and with his parents and they were they were they were very very poor but that's where my dad my dad grew up like he didn't he didn't know he was poor (laughs) you know and so yeah um and, and so, uh, yeah, so that's why Mary can come and do that. And, 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 and doesn't, it's, it's not a horrible thing for a mother to say to one of her daughters yeah. because it's out of love. And so when we have these inspirations or maybe when we're prodded a little bit to, to do something as well, you know, it, it's, it's going to be out of love.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think about like the saints, they're sort of like the pro athletes, you know, the Olympians, like, I don't know if you've ever looked at, like, what Michael Phelps does in a day, but it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, what he eats, his exercise regimen, you know, right. it's out of control. And, I mean, yeah, the goal for us is not to be do what he's doing, but if you were to swim, you know, a few laps a week or, or whatever, like, that would be a great thing. And I'm sure that he would, you know, his message to the masses would be, like, swimming is great, feels great, it's good for you, you know, you don't have to swim 40 miles a day. You know, I don't know. I, I wonder if if that's the way that the saints are, or if or if I'm cutting us too much slack.
0: <laughs> yeah, I no. I, I mean, I, I think it's all in in proportion to what God is asking us to do, giving us the grace to do in His bigger plan. And and um, yeah, I think that that's that's the main thing. When we start looking at anything out of context of relationship with God, we're eventually gonna gonna Get off track. You yeah, know, I mean to, mm. to talk us purely about you know penance or preaching or 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 anything out of the context of a relationship with God, it's, it's gonna it's gonna kind of a wheel is gonna come off somewhere. And so, uh, yeah, God has a plan, and um, penance and mortifications are definitely gonna be part of the plan for everyone. Right. It's just you know how how that looks will de- yeah I think it kind of depend upon you know what. You know what is, yeah, what what is needed. I mean, I'm just thinking like these military terms. You know, there's all the different types of soldiers in the army, and some have, well, have the cavalry, and they have, they have tanks and things. And they have air artillery, and they have missiles. They shoot up to things, and then, then they have snipers, and you have and, and everybody's got a different weapon, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And and they got to learn how to use that weapon. They, they, they all need to be have the basic training do the basic everything, but then and so like a a, a mother of of ten, her life and her mortifications are going to look different. From the cloister nun mm-hmm. and uh, the single mom, and you know, uh, but I think what you're saying and what we're saying is like, but everybody, we can get in on this because it's right. the cross, because yeah. we, we need the cross. And the cross, <laughs> the cross, is, cross good. is big enough for everybody to take
2: a sliver.
1: Right. Yeah. Right.
2: So I know you, you do a lot of spiritual direction too, right? Like with the seminarians, with priests. So does that ever become a part of your conversation, or, or does it like, do they come to you asking like oh father i want to do this this thing right
0: and um yeah and i can think about for, for myself you know when i was a seminary and i remember you know i, I read trochu's book on saint john vianney hmm. and i was like oh this is what i'm doing this is great you know i'm going to start eating potatoes, <laughs> potatoes yeah. not, didn't, you know i was like i got sick and you know i, oh I wasn't eating, I mean, because i wasn't eating enough and i, I lost energy and i, I, I mean this a saint like that who who's living off you know two potatoes a day or maybe one for a while. I mean they're they're, they're so in love with Christ that they have so, they're they're not worried about all the things that kind of weigh us down and cause us stress and you know like the good opinion of others and how am I going to handle this situation and these types of things. It's not that they, they don't have worries, but their their trust in God is so radical. That they're able to, to 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 live and sustain off of so much less, mm. and that's gonna be true with like material things too. To kind of kind of tie that back in, you know, the saint doesn't need, you know, the however many pair of shoes or the, the car or whatever because they're 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 fulfilled in their relationship with God, and and those things actually become dead weight mm. that, that that would slow them yeah. down, you know.
2: Yeah, there's this story. Um, I think it's Saint Rita, where she was like traveling with some of her nuns, and they didn't really have a lot of money for travel. Do you know the story? No. You know? And and like somebody comes along, and gives her like a coin, and and she puts it in her pocket. And later on, she she takes the coin out and leaves it. And her sister's like, "What well, what did you do that for?" And she's like, "It was too heavy." Oh, I love it. I love that. <laughs> you know? <it> like yeah. <laughs> I was
0: I was at the same cons- <coughs> same place in Mexico City as you just mentioned, the mm. Conception niches, mm. and there was two. Franciscans, but they, I think they're the Franciscans, the primitive observance or something. They were. Oh yeah. Uh, and, no and, shoes or something. Yeah, right? they, they're like, and so they were staying there, and we were we like hung out for a little while, and then they were going off to a different city in Mexico, and we were we were going to do something else, and I I just pulled them aside and I said, hey, you know, let me give you some money for your bus ticket or whatever. Now I, I try to give him a hundred bucks. Yeah. Was like no nah, no thanks. I was like really. He's like no nah, like, we're good. I'm like, do you you have it? He's like, no, we don't have any other money, but but God will provide. And and like, he didn't, and he wasn't a jerk about it. He wasn't. He wasn't like, you know, holier than thou. He's just like, like I don't, I don't want it. Like it's gonna, (laughs) it's gonna, it may not weigh me down. You know, I mean, obviously, what Saint Rita is saying, yeah. I mean, there was a weight, but she would have carried a rock, a backpack of rocks, if it would have saved souls. The point is that it was spiritually heavy for her, Mm. and that's what these, these guys were saying, and that's what that parable that you mentioned or the. The, the scripture passage about the rich, you know, it's hard for them to get to heaven because they have all this stuff. They have a, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Somebody explained it to me recently that the idea was like a camel was like wearing all these bags right. on them. And so, yeah, there's a
0: story that I, I guess is true. I don't know, but there's a, a gate. One of the, many of the gate, one of the few gates or many gates, however many to get into Jerusalem, the Holy city is that they, that the only gate that you could get into after hours was called the camel's gate. Um, so if, if, you know, cause they locked, they closed the big gate, you know, so they're not attacked. Right. And the thing about this gate is mm-hmm. that this door or whatever is that it's so small that your camel could, it could, you could get a camel through it with no bags on it. Mm-hmm. So what you'd have to do is you get there, you stop your camel, you divest the camel of all the material things that you're carrying in. And then the camel bows, it's ducks, it head and barely gets through this thing. And then oh, you wow. got to carry all the stuff in. So when, or no? I'm sorry. The, the name of the gate was the eye of the, the needle. The eye of the needle. <laughs> <Sorry>. Yeah. <but laughs> yeah like, you're, so like, you're like waiting for me to finish so you can correct me. Yeah. You're so <laughs> kind. Um. Yeah. So that th- that's kind of that parable, right? It's hard, mm-hmm. you know.
2: Yeah. The eye of the needle, but. Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, somebody I know, a priest I talked to, gave a similar explanation for, like, the narrow way. You know that like. It's a similar thing, like you can't take a lot with you or that you have to make yourself small to, like, fit through the narrow way. Because I, I think a lot of times people read that passage as, like, well, God doesn't want a lot of people in heaven, so we made it really <laughs> narrow, <laughs> you know, single file. <laughs> but, it, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't think that was the interpretation. I don't know if there yeah, right. are people in heaven, but I don't think it's because God doesn't want them there. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I, I, I promise you it's not. You yeah. know, <laughs> I, I, you're, you're a theologian, you know it's not. I am a theologian, cer- yeah, yes. Certainly, no, certainly not it. You're... Yeah. Have your masters and yeah. or um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, God. I mean, God would. God loves us. He wants us all. He wants us all to be in heaven. You know, I'm not saying that everybody's there, obviously, but right. um, there's something. There's something really beautiful, I think, uh, about the about the narrow way in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's just something inside of us that all that we we, we want to do something difficult. We want to do something um that's not easy because we want to change yeah like, um i i remember when i first started praying and really praying and kind of being challenged in my faith and moving from lukewarmness to like i it seems so hard hmm. and and it, it, the, the the difficult things were were things i wanted to go away but but what I have come to see and what we all come to see is that i that i changed like, <laughs> by god's grace I, I i changed and so the the, the narrow the, that particular path didn't, didn't seem as narrow anymore like it seemed actually pretty easy and i um you can correct me if i'm wrong is it thomas or um one of the great philosophers and theologians says you know like you know, the more difficult thing is is not always the best you know the best thing um we do want to change and grow so much that like difficult things are actually easy like that that mm. gives more glory to God yeah it, it's not me struggling through this and I mean th- that can give glory to God if right. that's where I am but there there's something you know when a, when a person is for Saint Rita to say no I don't want to carry this thing yeah. anymore. That that's more mer, more meritorious than the person is like oh like back and forth and like every minute like should I carry this no I want to yeah. no, I don't want to carry it is like you know and she's like no I'm leaving it and like going on and praying you know and that's what we want and, yeah. and, and then the beauty of the cross is that it changes us
1: you
2: yeah know? yeah and that's what was always challenged for me when like Aristotle would talk about like the virtue as like the mean between two extremes because it's like you know, when you're when you're continent, it means that you're you're wrestling with it and you're fighting it, and like the virtues where it comes naturally and easy, and it seems like you the continent space is like, right. you know, that's really where the tough people are. But right. no, like it's when you've passed that and
0: yeah, I mean, I think the 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 the, the ways that Teresa would talk about the, the, the purgative way, and then the you know the um the purgative.
1: Uh, oh, lumative, lumative, yeah. yeah
0: and i mean the purgative is where it's like it's super hard you're like divest, you're being divested of all this stuff and you're yeah. you know you're being healed and then and in the later stages like there there there's there's an ease and um there's illumination mm-hmm. so uh yeah but god, is, god is so good
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so i want to close with uh, there's a quote i want to get your take on so um now I know some people hold this figure in suspicion, but he has this one quote that I think I think is dead on. But Carl um, Rauner has this quote where he says something to the effect of like, like the the modern Christian will either be a mystic or cease to be. Have you ever heard that quote before? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you think about that?
0: Um, yeah, um, I, I guess I, I, I agree. <laughs> um, and, and 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 what will it mean to be a, a, a mystic? Will have to obviously, and I think Hunter would would agree, is is not our maybe our first idea of what a what a mystic in, in, in a in a hermitage or you know mm-hmm. where that's um, one of the things that obviously you know people in Opus Day make a lot of uh, talk about a lot like be, being a mystic in mm-hmm. you know in 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 your law office or your mm-hmm. school or wherever you you know wherever you are. I, I think that that's gonna. I mean, Pope Benedict would talk about Pope Benedict, who, who obviously, you know, uh, talked to Caravaggio yeah, a lot. And, yeah. You know, and they didn't always agree on everything, but obviously they. Um, anyways, they, the, the idea that that the the church, you know, may get, may get smaller, but it's going to be purified and, mm-hmm. and, the way that things at least seem to be going a little bit with the secularization and. And we see this in seminarians is that to be to be a, a Catholic it, it' it's it may be more difficult. Mm-hmm. I know there's another school and I think Pope Francis would be in the other school that would say, no, like well, that's the problem. like we have to like kind of expand this a little bit and, yeah. and what it means. And obviously there's something true about that. I I mean, sure. we, we don't want to be like small tent, right. Um, but we also don't want to be so wide tent that, like, the bar becomes so low that we that we aren't becoming mystics. We right. aren't becoming holy, that we're simply saying, you're okay, I'm okay, everybody's okay, everybody can count, everybody can go to communion, everybody can do this, everybody can do that. And then man, there's no heroes, there's no saints, there's no, you know. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, in my experience, so like, now I work in, in college ministry, and, like, I think the tent can be as wide as it possibly could be and people will go out of their way <laughs> to not walk through the tent, you know, that, right. I mean, the doors are wide open. There's no barrier to entry and I mean, there's no barrier to entry into the church. I mean, you come to RCA and be doing whatever, you know, and, you know, there's, there's growth there. And I think you see the same thing with Christ that like, there was no barred to entry to like encounter him. And he also went out of his way to encounter the people on the margins, but a lot of people went out of their way to avoid him <laughs> and to me that i mean that's my experience is that you know i could i could have like the best like the best free food and the best like programming and the best advertisements but i'm just not going to get a lot of people because they don't want the gospel and then the people that come are just intense like right. you know they might be 19 years old but they're like you know yeah. out of control in a good way and
0: imagine if you if you kept catering to the ones that you're not getting mm-hmm yeah then all those kids that are like really searching for an authentic relationship with christ uh the sacraments Mm -hmm. you know the truth of the gospel the richness of the church and all of her truth beauty and goodness like they would all kind of go hungry yeah you know if if, if all your attentions were like oh this person is not coming this person is not coming you would be a um, derelict of duty, uh, you'd be mm. fired. Like you, yeah. you would definitely be fired. I would, I would push for you being fired, <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> because I see that in 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 vocations work sometimes. Some of the uh, I get a little flack, and you know, you know, so, oh, you're, oh, you know, what about these types of seminar? We don't have any, you know, this type of seminar. That is like, well, there's this um, French cardinal and. Um, he really turned vocations around in his diocese. And one thing they told his vocation director is that you go where the vocations are, not where they're not,
1: hmm. you know, yeah. don't,
0: don't spend all your time trying to, to, you know, bear fruit in, in barren soil. Like if there's rich fields, go there and and labor. And, and I, I've, I've tried to do that in this ministry. Well, at the same time, okay. Without taking away from the, you know, the field work in this where we're producing vocations, oftentimes down here in Southern Maryland. That's right. You know, Mary's County. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, where is a place where, in one sense, we, we should be getting vocations? And, and let's see if we can't expand the richness a, a, a little bit and, and just keep w- working from where the, where God is already working mm-hmm. and working out, as opposed to leaving where God what, what God is doing and going and doing something, where where he's not. I don't know if that, if right. that makes sense. When I was, yeah, um, I was uh, the pastor of a of an African American church, an inner city parish in in Southeast D.C. And there, there's a saying, in 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 the in the, the black church community, is like, you know, do what God is blessing. Don't ask God to bless what you're doing. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and of course that can be taken out of context, sure. but like. Um, I think there's something, something you know, to that in, in your ministry and mine, where uh, we we have a, we would have a lot of explaining to do when we died if if we if we just went after the people who are are, are not coming. Hmm. You know, like that yeah. was our whole existence. If we just only went to the peripheries,
1: you know, right?
2: Well, I think we also just need to define like what do we mean by periphery? Because if periphery just means like, you know. If, if it's a certain, like, race or ethnicity or economic status or maybe somebody who has, you know, disability or is socially odd, like, that's, I mean, maybe in that case they might not be the best priest. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but certainly they're welcome in the church, you know. And so if, it's, if that's what we mean by the peripheries, then go to them. But if we mean by the peripheries people who just aren't interested in the church, they're, they're as far away from the church as possible by their own free choice because they want to live a different life, then... It's like the wrong margin. It's yeah. not really the margin; cause it's very wide. You know, that,
0: that's a good point. Yeah, th- thanks for yeah. bringing that up because they're right. There's different types of, of, of peripheries, and I and um, I, I think the, the Holy Father's call for us to is like extremely, mm-hmm. extremely important because mm-hmm. we can we can all get you know kind of you know narrow minded, mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or 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 overly focused. Yeah. You know, and yeah. sometimes the the peripheries aren't, aren't that far away.
2: Yeah. And Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like I'm not going to go like stand outside, like, okay, this is, this is terrible, but our, uh, our college has like a burlesque club. Interesting. <laughs> I'm not going to stand up, but I'm not going to stand outside the burlesque performance and like hand out flyers right. for our events. That's just not going <laughs> to be kind it's not of a good pur- use of your time. Yeah. And that's not the right margin to go to, you know, I mean, certainly if somebody was in that and wanted to come over, like to be more than welcome to, but like, yeah, that's not, that's not the right margin. And I don't yeah. even know if that's what Pope Francis is talking about when he says go to the margins. I don't think he means go to like, you know, I don't know like the Cardi B concert. And be yeah. like, hey. I mean, I, I
0: don't know. You know, I, I think on, on, on another, another take would be like, well, that, that, that's actually a perfect, I mean, like where, mm. who else is hurting more than those people? You know yeah, what I that's mean? That's true. Yeah. Now, are they the, the most likely to respond? Probably not. So, I mean, if you've only got a certain amount of time, then you know I, I'd probably go somewhere else too. But you know, I, yeah, I, I think that there's. Um, I, I remember, um, yeah. So I, I don't know. You know, I just to kind of yeah. play, play the uh, the other side there. It, it, it could could be really could be really interesting to go to the right. To the, the <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> to that's stand true. outside true. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, you, you also may you know you don't need to pick fights, but. Right,
2: um, right. But I, th- I think <laughs> that's what I'm trying to figure out right now is, like, what's the difference between, like, casting pearls before swine versus, like, going to, you know, the margin to find, like, the lost sheep or whatever, you know, and it's, I mean, it I'm sure it's a balance, but mm-hmm. it'd be nice if I could read souls and then I could just know, like, oh, there's somebody here I need to get.
0: Right. Well, yeah, but, you know, the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. can, mm-hmm. And, 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 and you and the Holy Spirit are, are, are friends and... Um, I was th- I was thinking about your your conversation with Father White Andy. Oh yeah, <laughs> and yeah, just thinking about yeah how the Lord will put on your heart, mm-hmm. you know, who, who you're supposed to, where you're supposed to be, and what you're supposed to do, and right. That's
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been great, Father. I really appreciate you taking the time to to chat with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, and and, uh, best luck with all of your work with the seminarians. We have a a great, I've known so many guys who've gone into the seminary and got ordained, or have left the seminary and not gotten ordained, and they're all wonderful. (laughs) Oh, good.
0: Yeah, thanks. Well, I tell you guys, um, all the different things that are going on down here in in Southern Maryland have have been a huge boost to the whole Archdiocese. It's certainly to the vocations program, uh, to the seminary, And, and not just in like numbers. Um, but the, the relationship with, with God that guys kind of have co- yeah. coming in, like it, the conversions, the, um, they're just something really authentic. I know it's kind of coming to price. There's been, uh, <laughs> there's been some serious warfare going on down here and, and, uh, I'm glad that you guys are, have not shied away and, and it's, it's bearing so much fruit and, um, yeah, God, God is good.
1: <laughs> all right thank you father you're welcome
0: <laughs> will, will we get to hear that really cool music you use every time or will that only be on this we will not hear
2: it. i <laughs> add that later ah that's so, I, I, didn't love know you'd ah, I love it listen to it already oh that's great <laughs> wait which ones have you listened to
0: i listened to part of the last one okay and, um Almost all of the wine, Wyna- Father Wine. Wyna- oh, everyone. okay, yeah. And I talked to Father Griffin about his, but I, I, oh, okay. I, I didn't listen yeah, to him.
2: Yeah, his is coming up soon. The next one I have is, is Father Matt Fish. Um, oh, neat. And it, it was really funny, because in the email, you were like, oh, yeah, we'll let the Holy Spirit kind of take the lead. And <laughs> when I brought Father Matt Fish <laughs> like, in, he was like, you're not going to just be one of those let the Holy Spirit take the lead people, are you? Like, you have questions, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, I have questions. And then we didn't talk about anything that I was right. going to ask him. Right. So I was like, I think I win. <laughs>